All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number two hundred and thirty-seven. I'm your host Vince. Over there is your host Phil. Hey, there he is. And in this episode, we are talking about the new Chippendales Rescue Rangers movie available on Disney Plus. Before we get started, we, we want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And please try and leave a five-star rating or even a review. We'd really appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 Drinks in Pod. You can like us on Facebook and you can email us at 3 Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. And lastly, don't forget to check out our merchandise store over there at tpublic.com for all your 3 Drinks in Podcast merchandise needs. All right, reports of our death have been greatly exaggerated, as they say. But not by much. Not by much, no. Although I did have COVID. It happened. There it is. Two and a half years later, and I finally got it. I'm you fine. Like a, punch, like a punch card for that, you know. <laughs> well, I can't test again for like three months. So I think because any PCR test may show up that I'm still positive, even though I'm not, because I guess I've got the juju in, in me now. It's not good. So I have to like keep my little like you tested positive letter like in my fold, my, my, my phone somewhere and be like, hey, I'm not positive. I just <laughs> I had it recently. So but um, I assume I'll get some kind of a superpower at this point. I'm waiting to let you know what that is. Uh, yeah. Super snot powers? I don't know. I have no idea. It's amazing how it doesn't, like, have, like, you, like, you know, your wife had it. You didn't get it. I had it. My wife didn't get it. My kids didn't get it. It's just so bizarre. Like, we're yeah, we're cautious. But we're not perfect. Like, you know, I've been living alone for 10 days. It's awful. I was thinking, I was saying this to my wife the other day, because, like, it's mo you know it's probable that this came out of a lab in China. Now I'm not saying on purpose. I'm just saying, you know, it's likely it came out from some sort of accident. Yeah, sure. Okay. That, that happens the all the time. And then the Queen of England got it. <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay, the Queen of England lives in a bubble on a good day. She's <laughs> nine thousand years old. So, you know, if this little vial of whatever made its way from a, a tiny little building all the way to England and got the queen, there's no hope for you. Like, like I was just like, well, if I get sick, I mean, who am I? The queen? Come on. Like, the queen of England had it. So let's just don't tell me that little mask you got on Etsy is doing anything. Okay. <laughs> I know I never thought about that, and that's really funny because I, up to this point, had not considered that I had anything in common with the Queen of England. Right? <laughs> but I'd be start, wrong. We can start doing like that Kevin Bacon game. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, be <laughs> safe. Do what you got to do. But Queen of England, God. You know, yeah, yeah. It's not some moral failing. I caught it. Of course, you caught it. Everyone did. Queen did. <laughs> You'll be okay. 
Hopefully. Okay. I think the, the less places on Earth that don't have this are those islands off the coast of Borneo where, like, nobody can go there because the people who live there will just cut you open and eat, and eat your liver. Oh, yeah. Like, well, totally cut off civilizations. They have the ghost of Spanish conquistadors there, so, you know, that's a fair trade. <laughs> <laughs> I've always found that funny, I think, that, that there are islands where, like, no civilization exists, where, like, there are just people who are living like it's, you know, 1060, like, it's, like, there's nothing technological about them, and, like, they're... It's quite terrifying, but like they're like they're re- they're they're really hostile, and everyone's like, you know what? There's no reason to go over there anyway. We're just gonna leave them alone. It's not worth it. This can only this can only be made worse by my involvement. So. <laughs> it's really can't be improved. Right? So. Yeah, they can only go down. So I'm just gonna skip this island. <laughs> oh, oh. If, I, if I cough, this is why. By the way. <coughs> We're fine. So, anyway, <laughs> Chippendale's Rescue Ranger. Chippendale. So, I'm like, we haven't done this in a while because there's been a lot going on, and then, and then, and then I got sick. And what the hell are we even talking about? Right. Yeah, Chippendale. So I, I came across this. I don't know on YouTube. On the internet, I've watched a lot of TikTok lately. I can't keep it all straight. And I was like, oh, they're doing a a Chip and Dale reboot. I mean, sure, why not? That's, you know, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. It's like, that was a good show. And then I, I heard the John Mulaney, um, I, I, I heard John Mulaney on the Conan O'Brien podcast, maybe like, I don't know, a week or two ago, and... He, he was talking to him about, oh, yeah, we did, me, and, me and Andy Samberg did Chip and Dale. And I went, what? Wait, what do you mean you did Chip and Dale? And then I found out that, yeah, it's a reboot. Yeah, it's a movie on, on, on Disney+. Plus, But it's like a meta version of that, as if it was a real TV show. Uh, yeah, like a Who, like a Who Frame Roger Rabbit kind of thing. Is the right. closest comparison. And so then I was like, oh. And then I think at the same time, my wife was like, you should watch this trailer. We watched it together. We're like, that looks really weird. And so, yeah, not expecting this one. Kind of out of left field. But um, so what did you think of Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers, the reboot? Um, it was okay. Yeah, it was cute. If you watched it as a kid, um, because it was all nostalgia just thrown in your face. And I mean, that's kind of what it was going for. It was like trying to be like that, like in the beginning when they show like they become friends and then they like, you know, they're doing the show like it's a like it's like a live show. So they hit cut and they come off the stage and they're all talking and stuff like that. So like it, it was clever the way that was done. Um that's about it it doesn't really hit on some of those deeper themes of like you know what exactly is the point of a reboot and what would these people really be like so it was an enjoyable romp for you know 90 minutes and then i completely forgot about it afterwards (laughs) you know yeah you know like i didn't hate it because i i grew up watching that show 
Um, but it doesn't stick with you the way that like Who Framed Roger Rabbit does or 21 Jump Street, um, which was a reboot that was, you know, aware that it was a reboot. Like it was making commentary on that as well as telling its own story. Whereas this one was just telling a story and, you know, uh, it was cute. I couldn't tell who it was for. And, and by that, I mean, there's some parts where it's like for little kids, like they have like silly chase scenes and uh, wacky antics. And then there's other scenes where it's like for, you know, 37 year olds like me, <laughs> where they, they curse and they talk about, you know, drugs and being bribed and money. And, you know, I'm like, and they say hell and damn. And I'm like, this was a kid's movie a second ago. Like it kind of goes all over the place, but I think that's what holds it back from being like a deeper commentary on reboots. But you know, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. It was, it was cute. Yeah. What did, what did you think? Um, so watching it, I was entertained. I also had like, you know, it's been a difficult few days in my house and I was very, very tired when I watched it. And so like, I, it was kind of fighting staying awake at parts of it, but I don't know that that was the movie's fault. I think you're putting it very charitably when you say, I don't know who it was for. This movie is a mess, but it's the best mess I've ever seen. Like, if you're looking at movies that are like, you know, it's a kind of a disaster and I don't know what's going on and it's like this, you know, it's it's a mess, you'd say, and it was also bad at the same time. This isn't this this isn't that. It's still good in the sense that like there's an understandable story to be happening here. You've got two characters who have been friends from since childhood. They grew up together. They became famous together on a TV show. They were, you know, their fame split them apart. Now they live humdrum lives. One's trying to get back in the spotlight. One is satisfied being, you know, a mediocrity. And they get thrown into a caper that mirrors the TV show they used to be on years ago. And then they solve a crime and have some hijinks. And it's a lot of fun. And, like, that's not a bad story. You know, that's perfectly acceptable. It's like a thing that, like, you know, life imitates art and people end up in kind of a crazy situation and it's bizarre and kind of funny. But on top of that, there's all this other stuff. You know, there's the, like, it's kind of like, like if paint, if, if you had a paintball bazooka and you were shooting, you know, paintball bazookas at the screen as you're watching it and like, you know, one ball is just damned nostalgia. And so you would shoot the, the nostalgia paintball at the screen and like just throw things up there that nobody is going to get. Like the whole ugly Sonic thing. Yeah. I mean, that's right. really funny. That was good. That was hysterical. And like that character comes back at the end of the movie and like plays a vital role in the plot. Sure, why not? I mean, like, and I had to like stop and explain a lot of things to my wife as we're watching it because but like she also didn't give a shit like it wasn't important at all like it was a joke if you got jokes that were really deep-seated comments on you know last minute catastrophic 
creative decisions made by a company to make a really shitty movie, which now just has like its own sequel. Um, and there were like other random things here and there. I can't think of all of them. Like the kind of subplot where like they're they're making like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not reboot. No, um, bootleg versions of yeah. all the other. You know, like so like there's all this kind of stuff that like so there's the nostalgia factor for the, for the people who like were really paying attention in 1993, and then there was all the sort of meta stuff about how this stuff gets made and stolen and then reproduced and and it just becomes kind of a a mishmash of things where like it's fortunate enough that the story is relatively strong that like and it moves it doesn't really slow down which is good like if there's a moment where they have to stop and think about anything then the whole thing would fall apart but they don't. They just get, they barrel the whole thing forward, and they solve the crime. They find their friend. Everyone, everyone's okay. Um, but you could have made this movie without any of that other crap, and it wouldn't have been as marketable. But it probably would have been acceptable as like we made a you know like a hijinks caper movie with you know with these two random characters like. You know, it's 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 skeleton is reasonably rigid, and so the whole thing kind of holds up. But like one thing I was sort of missing from it was the thing that Who Framed Roger Rabbit really did well. And I'm not a huge fan of the movie because I was young when it came out, and it really didn't. I didn't have enough connection to what was going on to understand how it. It was interesting that you had you know Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse in the same movie. Like that was weird. You know, and involved a lot of sort of you know legalistic hijinks to get that all to work out copyright wise. But like, you know, <laughs> just the fact that you have Bob Hoskins, who I'm sure went to some school for Shakespeare in London, who <laughs> looks dead at the camera and goes, "Tune killed my brother." Like, you know, like it's just <laughs> so preposterous. But the fact that they're making reference to that fact that there are cartoons and human beings that exist side by side and by their very nature that's that creates tension between the characters like that's what makes roger rabbit such a great movie is that like you you, you it's a basically a, it's a buddy cop movie where one cop is the straightest straight man ever in bob hoskins and the other cop is a fucking cartoon <laughs> it's literally a cartoon so you've got everything going for you there and the fact that you're commenting on it in a not so tongue-in-cheek but you know you know the, the, it's it's both blunt but not Offend, like not over, it doesn't overtake the whole story. It's just, a, it's just a big part of it. That's not in this movie. They just exist here, and it's okay. Like sometimes it's kind of cute how he drives an old like Mercedes SL five hundred that's falling apart, but he can drive it because he has these modified seats with these giant pedal things. Yeah. But then there are cars that are cartoons, like. It, it, something about like the inconsistency in that I thought was really weird, and like my my favorite line, uh, think of any cartoon ever said out loud, was the taxi cab in 
uh, in Roger Rabbit. <laughs> he goes, who's that? Is, is that you? He goes, no, it's Eleanor Roosevelt. Of course it's like, the fact that like, that's just such a great delivered line. But like, I thought about that going, I kind of, I kind of wish we had a line like that by, by a cartoon cabbie in this movie, but we don't. And like, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Well, the, well, the subtext in that film is that, you know, it's, it's supposed to be like 30s and 40s Hollywood where the performers are black. I mean, you know, the, the tunes are not treated well in that movie. They're, right. they're, looked, they're looked down on and they're, they're considered to be lesser than the people because they're silly and, you know, you can't take them seriously. And they fill all those roles where, like, you have the, the down on their luck performer and you have the, like, the goons are like the weasels. Like you have some that will just work for the bad guy and all that kind of stuff. So we don't have that here. And so you, you got to hang your emotional subtext on something else. And it's supposed to be the friendship between Chip and Dale. And it's hinted that in the beginning when they, when like Dale gets his own spinoff, like he's about to get his own show. And because he kind of says like, I'm tired of playing second fiddle to you. And I'm tired of being like the goofy one all the time. And so I'm going to strike out on my own. And Chip is like, well, you're going to cancel our show because you can't do both. And sure enough, the show gets canceled and his, his pilot doesn't get picked up and everything falls apart. And the rest of the movie, he never learns a lesson in that. Like he's still trying to like hang on to the glory days and he's still trying to you know, get things picked up for himself. And he, he's very selfish in that way. You know, and Chip is like, you know, you're completely oblivious to all the things that you do that you end up hurting, not just yourself, but everyone around you. And like that never gets resolved. And like, I, I get it. It's some sort of kids movie, but that's the only thing I can hang on to is that is their friendship and for them to have an, a mutual understanding of everything that happens. And, and Dale never gets there. Like, they well, don't have that reckoning. They don't, and I mean, we'll we'll get to the whole kids movie thing in a second because there's two points there that I want to make. But like the first part is like, yeah, you're right. Like Dale never really has that sort of re- realization that like you, you, you made a poor choice in what you're doing, and like you, you're complaining about losing something that you threw away, and you right. know you, you've tanked the careers of people for the wrong reason, right? And also, like, Dale's motivation isn't necessarily unfounded in the sense of, like, okay, so you, you, you think Chip is oblivious to the fact that you, you know, are taking the brunt of a lot of, like, you, like you're the goofy sidekick and he's the hero, which is kind of how it felt in this show when we, when we were kids. It's like, yeah, like, Chip was the serious one and Dale was the goofy one. And, and I could see where, like, they used that as the... The impetus to get the plot rolling here, but Chip never realizes that either. So, like, they both have a good point. <laughs> like, they're not they're not oblivious to their situations. They're they're uh, they, but they are to each other's situation. And so, you're right; that never comes to fruition. Fruition. And also, we've been talking about this for maybe eighteen minutes now, in a way more serious tone than I think is appropriate for the subject matter. Be- but you're right. Like, who is this movie for exactly? It's not for kids. I think it's rated PG. I'm gonna do a quick look over here at the uh, 
PG, which means that like, so in Disney Plus, because my kids have their own their own accounts on that, they can't watch this movie. Kids' accounts are only G-rated, and and that's it. Nothing nothing above that. So like, if if we want to watch the Incredibles, they have to use my account to do it. They can't, you know. So like, and it be amazed the things that they can't access. Like Frank really wanted he got into like DuckTales maybe like seven, eight months ago. And he we watched that for a while. And then one day I went to like look for it under the kid account. Nope, not there. It's on the adult version. Because of like cartoon smoking and things like yeah. that. Like and I don't know, maybe there's some kind of, you know, unseen racism that I was unaware of up until like maybe, sure, fine. But um but like this, yeah, this is definitely not a, you know, in the kids section um, of Disney Plus. And it's so nostalgia laden that, I mean, my wife was pretty young when this TV show came out. I had to explain a lot of these things to her. Like, you know, and I, you know, yeah, I, I still kind of recall when I realized who they look like. Oh, oh look, it's Magnum P.I. in Indiana Jones. <laughs> I had no. Yeah, I mean, I was young for that when I, you know, when I first watched this. But, like, you know, most people, like, they're. <laughs> I was thinking of that joke on The Simpsons where, like, Lisa's complaining or the kids are complaining that, like, no one listens to them because they're kids. And Homer's like, oh, I'm, an, uh, I'm an American male, age 18 to 45. Everyone listens to me. <laughs> no matter how dumb my suggestions are. <laughs> gum and nuts together at last. That's right. I, like, what's the punchline <laughs> of that joke? Yeah, gum and nuts. And that's very much how I feel right now. And, like, there's all this nostalgia for the 90s. Because all the people who are like in that prime, like you've got a little bit of disposable income and you're starting to feel self-conscious about your age. That's us. You know, I mean, I just like I'll turn 41 in a month and two weeks, month and a half. And everything is marketed towards me because I'm, you know, they, they all know like you're inclined to buy things now if you're <laughs> if you're my age. And this is going to go away at some point, and I'm going to wonder, but like when I'm in the prime of it, I'm st- I still want to be able to look at products that are made like this and go, is this for me? I think they wanted it to be for me, or is it just like as wide a net as they could cast? I don't know. I, I think it's for I think it's for older people, and they were probably went through and were like, we need a scene here for kids because I could you can feel the difference in the scenes. Because kids need action scenes and fart jokes. Those are the two things a kid's movie has to have. So, like, when they're, I'm trying to think, like, they do the scene where they're, like, stuck inside the machine that's trying to laser them. There's no reason to have that scene there. That's only for little children, yeah. you know. And the scene at the end when they're, he's being, they're being chased by, like, the Peter Pan mob monster type thing. That goes on so long. It, it doesn't need to, like, be that. Uh, complicated and everything like those are scenes for for little kids and I always think of Inside Out when I think of that because Inside Out doesn't have those scenes in it no they have they have plot necessary action scenes so kids find that movie boring and I would say that that movie's not for children is how it looks you know so like this one I would say is also not for children it's for you know kids who grew up watching the the rescue rangers and they threw a couple scenes in there for kids 
because they were like, oh, it looks like a cartoon. I mean, Roger Rabbit had the same problem. People took it to their kids to see Roger Rabbit and they were like, oh my God, this is not for children. But it, like, it looks like it is and it's marketed like it is. So people got very confused, you know. Do you the think there person. there are kid, there there are people who who are taking their kids to to see this who are who are who are as offended as people who saw Roger Rabbit? I mean, I mean hell, they do say hell and damn, but I mean, I guess that's more of a sensibility issue than it is a content issue. Yeah, I think with the internet, people are a bit more aware of what everything is too. That's you true. Know, yeah, like the trailers for this one. Once you say, you know, once you see Chip and Dale are John Mulaney and Andy Samberg. And not the high pitched squeaky voices that they used to be. You're like, all right, this this is something different here. Like, it might make you sit up and, and take notice. Yeah. I didn't quite get the the voice thing either. Like, they had high pitched voices in the cartoon years ago. Oh yeah, they were like sped up. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, the the woman who played. Um, um gadget I, she's incredibly famous in the um uh tris mcneil who's got 490 yeah. credits on i mean she's basically voiced everybody yeah she's been on the simpsons she's really famous she's, yeah just i mean and so like this has been like a, a thing in the back of my head ever since i saw that documentary that joe De, uh, john dimaggio did years ago years ago called I Know That Voice, just talking about how um, the voice the voiceover industry has basically been eviscerated in the last so many years. So like I'm thinking of, there was an Apple ad that ran in like the, the, the late 90s advertising the new Mac. Like back when... Like they had that like that color blob computer that came out. I think about the time that I that I went to college, and they had a really you know a, a nice ad where somebody was showing pictures of famous people like Albert Einstein and various people who were at the top of their game in whatever field they were in, <laughs> and they wanted Robin Williams to do the voiceover for the for the ad, and his agent was like no. Robin doesn't do commercials. And they got Richard Dreyfus instead to do it. And then like the whole movie, um, what do you call it? Um Lost in Lost in Translation was like like an old washed up but respected actor doing ads in Japan. And the episode of Entourage where he does like a soft drink ad in, in Japan and how it was like below people who were movie stars to do voiceovers in anything. And now someone went, hey, for three hours worth of work, they'll pay you $9 million. And everybody who had been making their money in this business for 20 years was broke. I mean. Well, Disney contributed to that. I, I always say when they hired Robin Williams. Exactly. That's, what, that's why I always think about that is that like. Mm -hmm. Just you know, what the he, guy who played Aladdin said. I heard him on a podcast once. He said, "Like I got in, at, I got in there just at the moment when that door was closing." Yeah, he's like, "No one would ever hire me now." He was—he's a nobody. He's—he wasn't anyone. But no. now, like, now the name is what sells the cartoon. You know? Yeah. I mean, like there there are a few that are really wor like working in like 
Will Arnett is about the only one who's doing both, and he's yeah, he's doing do, doing more voice work now than he is acting work. Yeah. Um, when I heard him, I'm like, oh, they got Will Arnett. Of course they did. <laughs> and <laughs> I been in a ton of stuff. I, I'm actually really unimpressed with Will Arnett's voice work. Like, I don't. Yeah, it's okay. It's no, it's 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 rather bland. I think well, he's got basically one voice he does for everything, and it's it's not that say, interesting. You know, Aside from J.K. Simmons, the, the acting was terrible in this movie. Like, I <laughs> think John Mulaney is very, very funny. Oh, my but John God. John Mulaney cannot act. No, he's terrible. And Andy Samberg is not a great actor as well. And the, the girl who played the cop, Kiki Lane, she was awful. Yeah, I didn't I quite like, know. <laughs> what is she doing? Yeah. I mean, I didn't like her. And she was in The Old Guard. She was you know the the girl they were all chasing after and she was fine enough in that forgot about her completely <laughs> like i don't yeah. know what you're talking about okay but like oh she was terrible in this and yeah when you no. put someone like jk simmons in there who's so much better it's like oh man it really stands out uh, now, who who was he supposed to be jk simmons's character he was a gumby he's like gumby yeah I okay thought was, i thought he was very well done like yeah no it was you know everything i liked good. i liked it and like the other characters moved at different frame rates depending on what they were yeah like he was slightly jittery as a stop motion character versus like chip and dale who were smooth you know i i did appreciate the the breadth of um animation styles that appeared in this yeah there was a lot yeah. of that it was funny when they go to like the uncanny valley and all oh my god sort of realistic but trying to explain that to people (laughs) it's very funny this is like it's like it's like it's it's as you approach humanness you get more terrifying (laughs) like it's just yeah, it's like they look real but they also look wrong (laughs) like yes that's exactly right yeah no i mean like we think we're in the valley the uncanny valley and i burst out laughing my wife's like wait what i don't don't know what you mean i go well it's this and like i'm trying to explain this sort of bizarre visual concept to somebody the two of us are both like half awake i'm like i don't think i'm explaining this very well so so like the, the animation of the characters i thought was was well done and it was subtle too. Like if you look at Peter Pan, like his his animation was very much nineteen sixties Disney, you know. And chips, like it was eerily specific animation. Um, and that was really subtle. And I like that's probably the most impressive thing about the movie overall is how they took, you know characters that exist in people's minds in certain places in time and made them look exactly like that and they didn't the only one they fiddled with was was dale because they made him 3d yeah. which was a which was a cute joke you know i got the 3d surgery i'm like okay, yeah, okay. that's clever that's very funny mm-hmm. but yeah no i don't know i i are we gonna can we expect more of this you think uh i think this is a one and done kind of thing i mean would it have been better for them to have rebooted the disney afternoon and just done new episodes of that see i i they're kind of doing that 
So they made a reboot of um, DuckTales a few years ago. <laughs> See, you have more patience for those kind of cartoons, which is great because I think they're brilliant, but I, for some reason I can't get myself to sit down and go, all right, I'm going to watch a cartoon now. I can't. I, I sat down to watch it because my son was really little and he was a blob. I was like, oh, DuckTales, let's watch this. I heard it was really good. And I ended up watching it without him. It was <laughs> so good. I was shocked at how good it was. I mean, the, there's the, there's a great line in the first episode where Donald is like fed up with the three boys. And so he drives to Scrooge's house and they pull up to and they realize they're in front of Scrooge and Duck's house. And one of, one of the kids goes, oh, it's happened. You're finally going to sell us. <laughs> <laughs> I started, I had to pause it. I was laughing. So that's such a great joke. You're finally going to sell us. Yeah. Like it's so out of it's so it's such a perfect Huey Dewey or Louie joke, but at the same time, it's such an adult thing to say. Was just, yeah, like it, it it was for kids, but I look at that as like that's a reboot a reboot that they did right, and the people who made that show grew up watching it. You know, so like they they knew what they were doing and they knew what they wanted to do and how to make it different enough that like you you don't want to watch this it's not like watching the same thing you know and this was kind of poking fun at that but it i mean ducktales i think is really it's a rare thing to do it that well yeah you're not gonna hit that again i I know they want to do one with darkwing duck um which could be good i mean all those shows were really popular and he has a cameo at the end of this one where he's like mm. at Comic-Con at a little booth signing autographs, and he's like, where's my show coming out? You know, and there's Jim Cummings who's done 900 credits. Oh God. Yeah. You know, he's done everything, but you know, I, I go into that stuff cautiously optimistic because I had no hope for most of those kind of reboots. Most reboots are terrible. You know, the, the best gag in this movie was during the credits when they were showing like, you know, Vanity Fair covers and fake posters for the Rescue Rangers are back and everything. And one of them says like, the Rescue Rangers reboot, you know, hits things, you know, today. It's under like the byline is critics. Who cares? They say, <laughs> <laughs> like the critics don't care. I'm sitting like, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. You're only appealing to people who you know will just tune in anyway for nostalgia. Yeah. And I'm like... The other thing about it, too, is like... This was a good way to go about doing that, I think. You know, I don't think Rescue Rangers was as beloved as DuckTales. So it's like... No. Let's just make a a clever movie and we'll call it a day. No, I don't think so either. I I do also think that, like, one of the things that... Maybe this is a Hollywood thing. You got to have a new thing. But, like, they talk all the time about TV shows that get discovered by new generations of people. Friends, Seinfeld, The West Wing, you know, these shows from the 90s and the 2000s that had like near decade long or sometimes decade long runs. The Office is one of these ones too. That they they get discovered by a new batch of fans and then, then you know, NBC can make another billion dollars you know, before they were, you know, they make money licensing the rights to Netflix, and now they're just going to make money with Paramount Plus. But you know, they 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 don't have to make a new thing; they just keep selling the old thing, and it's fine. So I wonder 
why they don't just push the I mean the old ducktails, the old tailspin, darkwing duck. I mean, why would you go to the bother of making a new show when you could just try to hook in new fans and maybe you can't do that with cartoons and little kids because they always need a new thing and it doesn't look like the animation that they want. I don't know. I mean, kids shows don't always hold up. You know, there was a time when I was I was really bored and I was like, hey, they got Power Rangers on Netflix. And I don't think I got through 10 minutes. And I was like, holy crap, is well, this awful? Power Rangers is sort of a bad example because it was such a slapdash, ridiculous money grab 30 years ago. I mean, that's just like, let's just take a TV show made in Japan and we'll film al- you know alternate scenes with white kids and one black kid. And we'll just stitch it all together and make it work. It, it was just the height of it. Sabin was the company, like one of those like really dirt cheap Hollywood companies that would make. And they they got lucky and they they had a hit and then they made them a gajillion dollars and they did fine. But like at the same time, like that's not going to hold up no matter what you do. Which is why they uh, yeah. would re- they, they would reboot that show in the middle of a season. Like it happened all the time. Oh no, it just. I, I think kids, like even when you go back and you watch the original Dark, um, Dark Duck or even DuckTales, it, you know, those cartoons are slower. Um, the animation's not good. It's janky. You know, the, the plots are, are slower and more simple. Like the new DuckTales is fast and it's clever and it's, it's all, you know, it zips, you know. That stuff doesn't hold up as well for little kids. So, I mean, the original idea of all these things in the Disney afternoon anyway was... You know, this was right as the Disney Renaissance was happening in like 1990 or so. And they were looking around like, we need hits. We need cartoons here. And a lot of it was throw popular characters, but not too popular. So like none of those shows have Mickey. They don't have Donald. Donald is in a couple episodes and he's like written off, you know. But they were like, we need a detective show. And they're like, well, who who, who should we put in it? I don't know, make up some stupid animal characters. And then they go, why don't we just use Chip and Dale? No one's using anything with them. No, you know, they haven't been in a, in a short cartoon since the 60s. <laughs> they just go, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. I mean, that's how they made all their shows. Yeah, that's true. And that was, that was enough, you know? So I, I think, like, they just keep repackaging the same characters, and it's under the Disney brand, and you're just supposed to accept that. But making a whole new show you know you're just recycling elements rather than just reusing the old stuff because it doesn't play as well it's like you know i know the office has done really well the last decade and seinfeld still plays but people aren't going back and watching i love lucy like after a certain time it's the gap is too big yeah i think we're you know? i think we're i think we're a ways before we get to i love lucy i think but I mean, I mean, eventually, 10, 20 years, I mean, I don't think people are going to be watching Seinfeld all the time as much as they do. They no. Look I look at it and say, why don't they just use their cell phones? <laughs> yeah, I think the one that has the most legs is actually Friends because it's got a laugh track. People still like laugh tracks. Um, fun sidebar. I uh, I was talking to somebody. I was talking to somebody. I was, talking to anybody. I was, listening, I was listening to somebody talking about... Um, the the show Mash, 
and apparently MASH was never supposed to have a laugh track. And I remember thinking, God, it's awful that they're in like a, you know, like a army camp in the middle of Korea and like they're making jokes, but then someone's laughing. Like, where was the audience supposed to be? How will I know when to laugh? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, it was was just one of those odd things where like all TV shows were kind of filmed on a unit set and MASH was not. It was just filmed you know wherever and it was it was a set still but like they also did a lot of like location work for that show but if you go back and watch mash you realize they never used the laugh track in the operating room and that was a a a, like the the last straw that the people who created the show had or like listen there are people whose bodies are opened up on the table that's what we're trying to convey they're cracking jokes because it's incredibly tense and any minute someone's going to snap. So let's have some respect and not have the laugh track go on while this guy's chest is exposed. I went, oh, okay, that's good. I never realized that. But um, but yeah, so like Seinfeld won't, won't last because it was so far ahead of its time. It's actually like it's kind of turned around and gone back again. I think The Office is good for a while, but The Office is... You need that laugh track for things to to go on longer because there are jokes people aren't going to get. Like there's no specific, laugh track in the office, right? Like, but you need one. Like, Friends will last longer because it's a soap opera. Number one, number two, there are there are there is the the laugh track there to tell people who are young when something is funny. Yeah, because there's things in there that are period specific that they're not going to get. And so, but it, yeah, I think you're right. Eventually, it'll all be I love Lucy, and you're sitting there going. Why is it so funny that she's eating all the chocolate? I don't get it. It's just yeah. chocolate. Like to the, to the moon, Alice. Was it was just a euphemism for beating his wife? <laughs> and like, I love the honeymooners, but like, I can't do a marathon. They have it every New Year's Day. I'm just like, I can get one episode, maybe two in. Like the only, the only really great one I think is the is the Chef of the Future episode. Just because he had the two characters that were, you know, you have Ralph Crabbe, who's all big and, you know, thinks he's hot stuff. And then, you know, the other guy, can't think of his name now, Art Carney. I can't think of his character. Art name. Carney. But the whole joke yeah. was that, like, he was so, you know, like, nervous in front of the camera, and then the, the, the camera turned on and their roles reversed. And it was hysterical. You know, and it had nothing to do with beating his wife. It just had to do with the fact that, I uh, haven't, I haven't, I haven't, he just couldn't get it out. And you know, but yeah, a, these things only have such a set length of time. But I think you're right about the cartoon thing. I think think the pace of cartoons for kids now is different, and you know, the attention span is so much shorter than it used to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, when Disney Afternoon was on, I mean, it it was a quote unquote you know groundbreaking thing because there wasn't anything else to watch. No, you know, there wasn't. Then the, then the other channels started catching up. You know, Fox had its own animation block, and uh, WB Nickelode- Nickelodeon came along to their whole yeah. thing. Because I mean, for a long time, Nickelodeon was just Japanese imports and like Double Dare. You know, yeah, like junk <laughs> game shows where you want a Huffy. So <laughs> that's right. Or like a shopping spree. That was one of my favorite ones. You have to watch somebody run around the store and like grab shit off the shelves. Like, how many remote controlled cars can you have? <laughs> so, so, you know, this was fine. I wouldn't watch it again. 
No, not at all. I have no interest in watching it ever. It's like it's completely forgettable. Like I'm glad I watched it last night and not a day before because I don't think I recall anything about it. Yeah, it just doesn't. No, it doesn't doesn't hold any 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 resonance for me. So, yeah, I'm sure there are people who who like this one more than the others. I don't know who they are. I think Ducktales was always the favorite. You know, it was for me too. And then there, you know, Darkwing Duck was the next one, and, and so on. But no one ever hated uh, Chippendale. No, and like I'm trying mm-hmm. to think. Of, so there was Ducktales, there was Chippendale, there was Darkwing Duck. There was Tailspin. Tailspin. Which I actually really liked because it actually had a really interesting set of characters to it. You had basically a, a chauvinist who could not keep his books in order and got bought out by some lady. And it was like this weird sort of like battle of the sexes thing between this lady. I don't know what was she like a tiger or something? I don't know what kind of an animal uh, she was. She was a, I think she was a bear or like a, a badger of some kind, something like that. You know? <laughs> a badger of some kind. It's hard to tell when they like you know give them nineteen eighties perms. They're like, what kind of animal has hair like that? <laughs> it's true. Easy. She did have, she did have quite the quaff there. Yeah, she had like uh, you know. Kirstie Alley hair from Cheers. It was like <laughs> it was yeah. She was that's that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what it was. She was very Kirstie Alley. Yeah, very Kirstie Alley. And like that was and 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 that was interesting because they had this character from like the Jungle Book who, you know, in that show, in that movie wasn't a chauvinist, but like it's kind of a lazy free spirit. And you know, this is where he ends up is running a defunct air shipping company that gets bought out by somebody else. Right. Well, that's what. That's why they just take the IP and just mix it with something else. Like, that's a really original setting where, like, the tiger is like the businessman who runs the town. And you have, like <laughs> sky pirates and his goons are all these like dogs or whatever. You're like, none of this makes any sense. These could just be normal people. They don't have to be these animals, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than buying a plane, though. So we're just uh, yeah. gonna we're just gonna draw it all. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you recall the name that, that of of the of the company? It was Hire for Hire. Hire for Hire. <laughs> like this, yes. this, this is stupid, but it was great. I don't. Know, I always liked that one. I don't know why that 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 one sticks out in my head. Was there a, another one, or was it just those four? Well, then you had uh, the Gummy Bears, which was only on about a year. You had Goof Troop. Goof Troop, yes. Mm-hmm. Gummy Bears was like a throwaway thing. Like Gummy, really yeah, Gummy Bears was just like there. Um, you had <laughs> just Bonkers. Candy. Did you ever see Bonkers? Oh, I vaguely recall Bonkers. Yeah, I was I, I was aging cop. out. That was a weird one because that was a who you know who framed Roger Rabbit where the people lived with cartoons. So he was a cop tune who worked with like a human partner, but they were all drawn and animated. So. It's like I can't stand these cartoons, and I mean, I was old enough to be like, "But you're also a cartoon. You're just drawn like a human." <laughs> but I get what you're doing here. <laughs> but I also don't. And then they had um, Aladdin had its own TV show, and then the big one was Gargoyles, which is a oh, great show. Oh, I forgot about Gargoyles. Gargoyles is a great show. Everybody who used to be on Star Trek The Next Generation got to have a second yeah. career as a voiceover actor. Everybody, like 
but so like there was Jonathan Frakes and Michael Dorn, Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner was Brent on Spiner there. was on it. Like everybody was on that show, and yeah, yeah. I never. I, that's when I was just about done with cartoons. Was when that came out. I did not watch Gargoyles, and like I kind of regret that because like everyone's like, "Yeah, this is great." And I'm walking by, going, "Is that number one?" I'm like, over here, I'm talking in the background, like, "That is, he's not even doing a voice. He's just talking like Jonathan Frakes." Yeah, he's just being himself. You know that that one was really good, and that one they were trying to compete with Batman, the animated series. Yeah, because that show had really taken off, and they were like, "We need a show that's like that. That's dark and more more for older teens and things like that." And and it did very well, but after a while, Disney was like, "All right, enough of this. Like, we're we're clearly not going to beat Batman." So, well, no, because that show is just genius. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gargoyles was a very good show. Yeah. Uh, but um, so, you know, Chippendale yeah. was okay. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it's a, it's a, if you if you're into this nostalgia bit for the 1990s, although my wife did the math. So when they when they introduced the characters, it's 1982, right? Uh, when they're like little, right? yeah, in school, yeah, I think so. They're in the third grade, okay, and then flash forward, it's nineteen. So it was, it was eighty two, and then what, ninety two? I think it was ninety. The show ran from ninety to <clears throat> ninety three. Okay, but like she did the math, and like when they were talking to them, and said like ninety three or whatever. Yeah, I said, like, this has been the best three years of my life. So in the eight years from, like, when you meet them, so, like, it it didn't quite match up. Like, they finished, you know, all of elementary, middle, and high school. <laughs> in, like, six years. <laughs> She's just like, well, that, that, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you do that? And... She was right. Like, that's too soon. Like, you wouldn't go from the third grade in 82 to being on a successful TV show for three years by the, by, by 1993. It it didn't work. And so I'm like, well, I guess they didn't go to college. Like, I don't know what to right. tell you. Well, I think after school they said, like, we, we took our act on the road, you know. And yeah. Like in the background of famous things. <laughs> Were they in, like, the Michael Jackson video or something? And, like, the camera zooms in on them. Oh, I can't remember what it was. They were in yeah. Stupid. Oh, oh, god, I can't remember now what. But there was, there was so much of that. And here's the thing: one, one last note about all this nonsense. Sometimes it gets to be so densely packed full of shit I'm supposed to recognize that I just can't focus on any one thing. Yeah, and like I don't know if they want me to go back and watch it again. I'm not going to. <clears throat> but like, is that what the goal here is? Because there's so much happening in every frame that it, like every time there's a number on the screen or every, every time, like there's always something with these things. And like, I think Pixar began this in earnest where they would put like, you know, like the license plate was THX 1138 for certain things, like all these little Easter eggs throughout. But at some point, it just becomes exhausting to try to find them all, and your brain becomes trained to, you know, to look for the meaning in every frame of basically banal nonsense. To go, oh no, that's important because it's a reference to, like it doesn't really matter. But like, 
and that when it becomes something that you're supposed to recognize because it's part of your past, you kind of want to instinctively look for all those things. Go, oh, that's what that means. I know that. I was there. Like, it, it, it becomes like a burden to watch some of these things to try to catch all, all the references. Because I'm not going to watch the movie again, but I want to feel like I knew what the hell was going on. Yeah. I think they were doing that on purpose where it was like, Oh yeah. Let's let's fill the screen with old cartoon characters and see what you recognize. And yeah. I wonder if that's. I mean, it's not necessary for any. For, but like at the same time, it's like, is is it also just supremely distracting to do that too? I think it might end up being. Oh yeah, sure. And I think this, this one went like really overboard. Like when they walked down Main Street, and it's like every cartoon and Muppet in existence is there, and I was like, "Well, I really need to pay attention here." But I stopped paying attention to what they were saying. <laughs> I was looking at all the characters in the background. Was the um, was the cheese shop guy an actual Muppet, or was he was he animated? Could you could you, could you tell? I think he was an an, an actual Muppet. Right. He, he he moved a little bit, kind of funny. Uh, yeah. Well, I think he was real. Okay. If not, he was done very well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so check yeah. it out if you're bored. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good romp. You know, trip down, watch, trip down memory lane. Go watch the reboot of Ducktales. <laughs> yeah, you should really just watch. It's that. Very, very good. It's, you're finally gonna sell us. <laughs> Such a great. All right. Well, if you guys have any thoughts about Chippendales, if you want to share your memories of the Disney afternoon, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram. We are at Three Drinks in Pod on both. Make sure that you subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and email us at Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail dot com. And last but but not least, don't forget to check out our merchandise store over there at tpublic dot com. Anything else? No, that's it. All right. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. But these two gumshoes are picking up the slack. There's no case to be, no case too small. When you need help, just call. Double when they're around.
Double when they're around.